Welcome to Tell Me More. We have a fun uh, episode today. We've got Memory Jora in the podcast studio, kind of sitting in the seat of the pastor. And we talk about a sermon that I preached, uh, but we talk about it, and it's very enjoyable. A great, great text from Romans 8, and we had a really fun conversation. So listen up. Thank you for being here. Well, we're back and tell me more. My name is Luke Stair and... Luke's back. I'm back. I was on vacation. How was it? Oh, okay. We'll talk more about oh, that later. wonderful. We'll talk about that in our personal podcast. We will. <laughs> we don't have that. <laughs> the short notes, my wife and I took our first vacation without children since we've had children. Period. Okay. And so we slept in and took naps and ate good food. And that's all we needed in life I for that it. week. I love it. Um, but, I'm jealous. So Katie and I are here. And as you know, Dr. Wiles is on study leave. So who we have with us? We, we've been bringing in a special... Ooh, yeah. What yeah. sound effect yeah. best? Oh, man. Think about it. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, Memory Jora. Memory Jora. Uh, Welcome. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. I'm very privileged and uh, very grateful that you guys uh, invited that, me. Okay, to well, we'll see if you still feel that way at podcast. the end. <laughs> well, okay, Memory, um, I know who you are, but many people listening probably do not know you, or they mm-hmm. just know a little bit about you. Mm-hmm. And so, Memory is one of our newest staff members. Yes, and your title is College Associate? Girls, uh, yeah, so college as co- college girls associate. College girls associate. So your job is to invest in the women of the college ministry. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. So just work alongside Corner and support him, whatever yep. he's doing That's with the great. college ministry. And how long have you been in this role? Uh, about four months, going on four months okay. now. Yeah. Do you like it? I love it. Are you leaving us soon? I no, um, well, you know, it depends on God. Okay, yeah, sure. I move according to God's will. Okay, but uh, <laughs> if the Lord wills, if the it. Lord wills it, but you're liking it. But I'm I, just kind of messing. Yeah, I love it. You know, this is a position that I dreamed of, mm-hmm. uh, just because of my passion for women, my passion for girls. But as you know, in ministry, sometimes you might dream of a position, but it's hard to come along, right? And I'd never seen. A girls minister position. Mm. Uh, so when I saw this, uh, I was like, I'm just going to apply because mm-hmm. it embodies everything that I'm already doing without definition. Mm-hmm. And so just coming along here and working alongside Corner and investing into the girls and even the women, you know, uh, mm-hmm. meeting some of the staff members, you, Katie, yeah. uh, Ashley, Linda, I can just go on and on. I am living my best life. I love that so much. I'm glad you're doing it here at First Baptist yeah, Arlington. Yeah, yeah. So well, we're excited to have your voice on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank We've you. We've told Memory a little bit about what we do in here, but we really want to get to know you before we talk about the sermon. Um, yeah. That's more exciting to me. So you entered vocational ministry later in life. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of just tell us your story of... Ooh, yeah. Tell us about your life. What you've done. <laughs> Where were you born? Call into vocational <laughs> ministry. Who your people are. Who my yeah. people are. That's a Dr. Benick question for integrative. In, uh, who your people who, are? Who are your people? Who, okay, well, start from the <laughs> beginning. 
Uh, okay. You have a little bit of an accent. I have a little bit of an accent. So, so, so I, do you, in my opinion, Katie. <laughs> we Well, we probably all three do. We do, but I'm yes. from the Midwest, so we pretend that we don't. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, I do. I have a country, Texas country accent sometimes. Yeah. Anyway. I kind of hear it now that you've said that. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear it sometimes. <laughs> so I am originally from uh, Harare, Zimbabwe. That's okay. a country way, way, way down southern of uh, Africa. I was um, born there, and then when I was about nine years, uh, my father went uh, to Egypt. He was stationed in Egypt as a diplomat. Oh. Um, and then we were there for about five years. Okay. Then we went back to Zimbabwe. I did my high school. Then right after my high school, I came here. To the U.S.? To the U.S. For university? Uh, as an exchange student. Uh, yeah. Where? Uh, I was in New Jersey. Wow. I went to I, Brookdale. Similar to Arlington. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brookdale mm-hmm. Community College, I remember. Okay. Uh, then I uh, ended up in New York, LaGuardia. LaGuardia? <laughs> Community College. Okay. We're, we're familiar with that airport. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and then just from then on, I just knew, you know, I had I came here for education, better education, you know, the American dream. Um, and just there was an inclination um, just from my call, you know, because I, I had, I felt like God had, had had. You grew up as a believer? I mean, your family, you grew up no, in church? No, I did not. How, okay, how did you meet God? Uh, and funny enough, I just gave my testimony to the college ministry oh, last so Sunday. You've got it. <laughs> so you're ready. So it's ordered, so, you got the high to points. Some degree, yeah, to some degree. Well, just give us, yeah, what, what we want to um, know. You know, I'll just give you a little summary about it. Um, so when we were in Egypt, um, my family wasn't really, it wasn't a believing family, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't go to church. And then we're in a Muslim country. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, and I always say that it doesn't matter where you are. Jesus will find you. Mm. You know what I mean? Nothing can separate us Nothing from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from, you know, from the love of Jesus, right? Yeah. So for me, just going through life, going through difficulty, usual adolescence issues, uh, cross-cultural challenges, uh, family challenges, um, you know, I found myself having a dream about Jesus. <laughs> You know, and mm. I didn't. We hear about this <laughs> yeah. in Muslim countries, particularly. Uh, right? Fascinating. So, okay, tell us more. Yeah. And I, w- I don't think I was really young to understand it the way I now, I now understand it. But all I know is that there was such a level of comfort and such a level of, you know, the truth that you were talking about, you know, uh, Katie, in your sermon. You know, the truth doesn't need um, justification, mm. the truth justifies itself. And I think that was just the beginning of. I'm glad that's what you took away from my sermon. That's really beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> there was the spirit a, works well on Sunday mornings. He, he really does. So there was just, and 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 it, you know, it's like sanctification. It's not a one-time incident. Mm-hmm. It's an unpacking mm-hmm. as you walk out your faith. Yeah. So from the age of twelve. And, and and from that dream, from that revelation, because it was a revelation, mm-hmm. you know. And for me, had I been older, I think it would have been like, oh, my gosh, I didn't remember about Jesus. But you're so young, yeah. you know, everything is still, it's not as shocking, yeah. you know. You're still innocent. In our women's clusters, we, <laughs> it's the story uh, was Jesus' words, but about the faith of little children. Mm-hmm. You know, he um, 
mm-hmm. humbles the wise and speaks through infants, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then he talks about coming to all who are heavy burdened, but we talked about that, just what it means to be a, a child or at least have childlike faith. Yeah. So, so for me, it was <clears> that. <throat> and, and I didn't even tell my parents. I only recently told my family, mm. like a few years ago. But for me, that was my little comfort. I knew now, I knew something I didn't know that Jesus you know, would always be with me and love me no matter what I was going through. So by the time we went back to Zimbabwe, I had this knowing that I needed to be baptized. Mm. I didn't know from where. From where. And then just reference, I asked my, my mom, who is my, um, you know, she's my, my, my stepmom. And then she was like, yeah, there's a Catholic church, you know, that I think she had gone to a Catholic boarding school. So mm. just in terms of reference, that's what she knew. Yeah. Just in terms of, okay, you want to go to church? There's a Catholic school that's yeah. not too far There's away. a church here. Yeah. yeah. So then I started going there by myself. To the Catholic church yeah. that you knew about. Yeah. Okay. When catechism got, got baptized. And just slowly, like he, he was, God was just teaching me, you mm. know. And then, then by the time I was... Uh, 16, my dad passed away, then um, finished high school. Then there was just this innate knowing in me that I needed to come here and mm-hmm. I wanted better education, wanted more choices in terms of what I wanted to study. Through a cultural uh, exchange program, uh, found myself here, uh, just, you know, guiding, leading every step of the way. But then life happened. Um, you know, then I ended up uh, getting an accounting degree. Life happened again. Then I, w- you know, because you think here, when you hear the stories of these testimonies, right, you think mm-hmm. these people are now just holier than thou. Like mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. breathe Jesus. Yeah. Like everything about yeah. them is so pure and perfect. You're in seminary. But it's you're not like staff, that. Right? You know, it's not like that because I was, you're learning as you're going, right? So mm-hmm. uh, long story short, you know, ended up in business, then got a fashion degree. Now I have a fashion brand, living my best life. Tell right? us more about your fashion brand. <laughs> So in terms of my fashion brand, um, I so I done the business, I done the the life thing, but then I felt like, wow, I've always loved fashion. I want to go back to school. So for me, whenever I I want to pursue something, mm-hmm. I go to the basics. Okay, I didn't want to hire somebody or work with somebody who would tell me about fashion mm-hmm. that I didn't things I didn't know about. Yeah. So I wanted to go back to the basics. So that's why I went to learn about all of it. Learn about it from the beginning. So went, learned about it, got a fashion degree, then decided to, then I, I took a trip back home to Zimbabwe. Where did you do fashion school? UNT. Okay. Yeah. So Here, in Texas. In Texas. Okay. Uh, had, you been, Den- had you been Denver. in Texas for a while? Uh, I had been. At that he- point? I had been here for a while. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'd been here for a while. So, uh, so I got both my, my degree. I finished my, both my degrees at UNT. Okay. I love UNT, like, so much. Mean Green. Mean Green. Go Mean Green. Go Mean Green. Okay. If you're listening, UNT, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so then I, uh, I took a trip back home, just fell back in love with the continent, the mm. people, the culture. And it just reminded me of my heritage. Mm. And so when I came back... I was like, I want to do a brand that pays homage to my African culture, mm. but that also has the Western, you know, influence, tailoring, uh, the feet and, and all that mm. and the design. Because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't really like what I was seeing in terms of just African designs, but then I didn't want it to, my designs to be too Westernized. So I merged that. Mm. And then I would call my, my, my brand was Morige, but Morige, Morige yeah. Okay. And my brand uh, motto was women empowerment. 
Can you imagine? Mm. Women empowerment. Look at you go. Yeah, no, no idea that I was going to be in ministry. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I, you know, I've had the dream. I'm living my best life. I'm going to church in and out, but now re- I'm just like an average yeah. person with an average identity Christian that I have a in, Christian. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and in Scripture, we call that lukewarm, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> you know? Mm. For those who have ears uh, to for hear. For those who have ears yeah. to hear. They're you probably know? Not listening, but they're probably not listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you, you, and, and you tell yourself, I love Jesus. Like, if anyone says, it, no, me? Yeah. Jesus? But are you, are you going to church? Are you, do you have community? Are you reading your Bible? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not enough to say it. Mm-hmm. You have to live it out. Mm. But a lot of people don't know that. Because that's what we teach at church, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know that. So I was a fashion designer who just loved Jesus, mm-hmm. who was living her best life. Um, and then, so yeah, so that was my, my, my brand. Every time women would come, I would do custom design, fittings, fashion shows. And you were living back in I was, Zimbabwe? No, I was oh, here. here. I was here. Yeah, yeah my brand was growing. Uh, it, was, it was fun. It was amazing. I would just have the most amazing conversations with my clients or models. And I think that was God working all things, you know, like mm-hmm. Romans 8, 28, you know, mm-hmm. God works. I do know Romans 8, yeah. yes, thank you. What is it? You know, <laughs> all things work. Yeah, God yeah. works out. God works all things for the good of those who love him. He's working mm-hmm. it out, you know, because we think it's, sometimes we think a code of ministry, it's like, a again, a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's piecing the pieces slowly, right? Because mm-hmm. now I have this, this passion for women, my clothes. They're empowering them. They're like an armor, right? These women are seeing themselves mm-hmm. in a way they've never seen. They have somebody listening to them when we're doing feedings. And so I'm already ministering, mm-hmm. but there's no, it's not defined, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm clueless. Mm-hmm. And then life goes on, but there was something still missing. Uh, I would go to like mega churches here and there. Mm-hmm. No one knew me, but mm-hmm. like, you know, sometimes you just need Jesus. Uh, you know, you need church, so I would go, but still there was such a distance from... Uh, from God, and then uh, just before COVID, something in my heart started shifting, and I just, you know, I paid attention to that shift, uh, encouraging me to open my Bible more. There was also some life things that were happening, and uh, long story short, um, I ended up applying to Truett Seminary mm. just to understand more because I needed it to make sense. And I needed to, I did what I always do. I need to go to the basics. Mm-hmm. What, is, what does this all mean? Mm-hmm. What are the fundamentals of this? Mm-hmm. And so I knew, and I love, I love learning. Yeah. I'm a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. So next thing, I'm a truant, and here I am. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> it's the best decision and I ever How long made. ago did you start truant? Uh, it's, I'm going into my third year now, okay. so I should be graduating in December by okay. the grace of God. Yes, we'll pray for that. Yeah. <laughs> love it. And I love Truett has been the best thing that ever happened. Okay, for a second, just one second. There's a trifecta going on in this room. Yeah. All, all, all three people. of us are Truett people. Yay. Yes. If I you're know. thinking about seminary, we go are all very Truett. biased. But we, go to Truett. We had yeah. good experiences. We all three had good experiences oh at Truett. You know, there was a time where I was the only Truett grad on staff. Hmm, not we're, anymore, we're, we're Katie. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> now there's four of us, right? Yeah, four. four. Yeah. And maybe five with the new, I mean, we have two open spots. Oh. Young adult and contemporary worship. Shoot people. Yeah. Yeah. Let's shoot for six. No, I don't know. We'll just, we just trust what, what's right in the Lord's eyes. We right? do. So, good. 
man. Do, do you think there's something about like a Druid graduate that sets them apart? I would really like to think so. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I don't know. It is a good education. I think it emphasizes it the right things and it forms you to be a certain, mm-hmm. certain flavor of Jesus follower. And I, I think it fits well with us. Mm-hmm. It was a good fit for me. Yeah. But I don't want to be so prideful to say it's the... There are other great seminaries. There are other great yeah, seminaries. Yeah. But I'm biased. Maybe not in Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, um, no, I don't mean to knock all seminaries everywhere. But we, ha- we had a good experience. It was a very good fit for me. Yeah, Same. me too. And it probably produced um, my, kind of my, brought the good, the best out in me. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't want to be more biased than that. Well, we could do free publicity for Truett Seminary all day long. <laughs> yeah. And I would. Yeah. But that's not S- why we're here. Send me the swagger. Send me the hat. Send me the, you know. Doctor Still, if you're listening. Yeah. Ryan actually came back from the BGCT, which met last week, and brought uh, me a, a new Truett hat. Oh, that's a, those a are new, the best. Uh, a new dad I cap. Those. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. or now mom cap. Mom cap. Yeah. Mom cap. So, yeah, so, I saw it hanging in my closet. That's a good tie in. Oh. To your sermon. Yeah. Bridge. Mom cap. Uh, yeah. Bridge things together. You put on your mom cap on Sunday. I did. Oh. I did. It wasn't really on purpose. I did not. Um, we'll get into the sermon. So I did not sit a couple weeks ago and think I need to talk about the pregnancy about with this sermon, you know, mm-hmm. or the difficulties of all of it. So, but when I got to crafting the sermon and I really thought about how do you illustrate and and really drive home what I'm trying to say, that it came out a little more confessional, you know, personal. But I thought it was appropriate, and I, I added that flavor, the illustration of my life being kind of the, the, the thread right throughout mm-hmm. the sermon was this the triplet thing. I added that late in the game. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I, I kind of formed the, the sermon and then thought, what, what really presses the point here? And I, and I thought it was appropriate. As I have had a very, very public pregnancy and a very public um, first eight months of parenthood, it, you know, in some ways, I feel like these babies belong to the church. They are, everybody feels a lot of ownership of them. Mostly good, sometimes mm-hmm. weird. Um, <laughs> but I, I felt that it was appropriate once it kind of kind of started coming together in those lat, the, the latter days of last week as it was kind of, you know, I always write, I don't know how y'all, okay, we were talking earlier before we hit record. We all three have taken preaching classes at Truett, but with different professors. And so, um, we were talking shop a little bit. Like, I don't know how you form a sermon, but the illustrations come last for me because I don't want to force mm. a story that doesn't make sense. Um, and often I don't really get the main idea. I don't go in with the main idea. It comes out because I think that's an honest, a more honest look at the text. So try to let the text speak for itself. Try to form a main idea after, you know, uh, five commentaries and some prayer. And then the illustrations really come in the final form of it because I, I want them to actually prove the point that I'm trying, that I think the text is trying to make versus three weeks ago saying, I think I want to preach about my triplets and how God's been faithful, even though I haven't seen him all the time. Then, because the text could end up not really saying that, but you're trying to shoehorn in uh, something. So I'm not a great series preacher for that reason because sometimes I think, think, once I get to the bottom of the text, I'm like, oh, this doesn't really, it's not really saying what I thought it should say. But I don't want to make it say what I want it to say. I want to say what it mm. has for the day. So anyway, that's kind of how I just approach preaching. Give me a text. That's why I tell Dr. Walls, just give me a text. Don't, I don't want to pick my own text. I don't know what I want to say. Just give me a text and I'll preach it. And so, um, but I tried to honor the eternity part of this. That's why I had the second movement of the whole sermon. You know, the first, if you're like in an Episcopal church, that are the, the sermons, 
I don't want to say they're not the high point of the service, but maybe they're not. No, I mean, not. The, the Eucharist probably is, right? Yeah. The the, the bread and the wine. Um, they're like 16-minute, 15-minute sermons. I probably would have just said amen after my first movement, which was about God being with us when we're— nothing can separate us from the love of God today, you know, here and now as we walk through the hard parts of life. But we're preaching this eternity series, and the text is, it it is— about eternal justification. It is. I'm not, you know, I'm not, no. I'm not adding that to it, but I wanted to be faithful to that, to Dr. Wall's series and to that part of the text. Cause it's not, you know, we're not, um, how do I want to say this? Um, more liberal churches. They kind of chop off the eternity part. I mean, high sense of justice Very here and now, here and now. And that's not a bad thing, but it's a bad thing. If you leave off the eternity part, yeah. we, we are, we are still destined for eternity. We still believe in eternity, and you can debate what it's going to look like. But to read all these texts and just stop at that underlying—I mean, when you talk about justification, that that courtroom imagery that is playing out—I think Paul was talking about being justified for eternity. I mean, if you talk, look at Romans all over. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, and um, it's an eternity-minded book. Yeah. It is, and, and it's yeah. dealing with some like cosmic yeah. level thoughts. Yes, but also. But Paul's writing to the Romans who are getting getting stoned and persecuted. And it's and one thing I didn't really talk about, and just for those listening, if you want to, this is kind of the tell me more. Uh, I was reminded in my research, Romans was written by Paul. He was probably in Corinth, probably in someone's home. He was probably talking to a scribe mm-hmm. in the, the winter of 56 or 57. Um, and he was writing to Rome and he had never been to Rome. Although they kind of see him as the shepherd of their church. Because Rome, Rome was this imperial hub, he probably knew up to 10% of the people in the church. Mm-hmm. So just from their interactions, you know, they were international people as Rome is today, right? It's like so, New York. It's like if we we probably know people in churches in New York City. Yeah. But. Right. Especially if like we 10%. were. Yeah. And so he, but he didn't necessarily go and plant that church. He didn't, he's never even been there, but he had done business with, or or as people were in the church in Corinth or the church in whatever he had gotten to know them, maybe formed them, and now he's writing to this context of the church in Rome, who he's never met the church physically there, but he has been in contact with up to 10% of those people. So you see him name, and, and y'all maybe help me, toward the end of Romans, he names like 35 people. Yeah, Roman, Roman 16 is a, sorry, yeah. I can nerd out. And, Please, one okay, of my final on. papers in seminary was, on, was Romans, on Romans 16. Do you remember how many names? Oh, it's like 35. It's 30 plus. And approximately half of them are women. Yeah. And, but they're, so he is naming, like, say mm-hmm. hi to all these people. Mm-hmm. And he's not been there. So all these people are like people he's. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila would be some of those notable people yeah, that he would yeah, have known yeah. who are now in Rome. He yes. Sends greetings to them. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy that he's writing this letter to people that he's, he knows really well in a place, Rome, that he's never been to. And yeah. the nature of the letter was, uh, maybe it was N.T. Wright, one of the commentators. I, I, I said this, I think, before we hit record. N.T. Wright's commentary on this was just so good. I ended up quoting him. Like, I had to stop and be like, quote someone else, quote someone else, because it's just, it makes it, it illuminates it. So if you enjoy our theological library at the church, um, once I return it, go get the Romans. Um, in the, it's the New International Bible Commentary, the NIB. It's dark And blue. if you need help figuring out how to use the commentary, we will Hit happily us up. help yeah. you. Yeah, there's so much richness in it. and and. 
I actually read the commentary on it, highlighted so much, typed up so much. I have a whole page of just quotes from it. And then I was like, who wrote this? Because it's not in the NIB particularly, it's not obvious. You have to kind of look for who wrote it. I don't yeah. know. I guess I did it on purpose. And I was like, oh, it's N.T. Wright. Like, of course, it's like the <laughs> one of the leading New Testament scholars that's alive today, you know. But it was fantastic. But, um, okay, I lost my train of thought. I was praising N.T. Wright. You were talking about the the people that poor names that he's not oh, met. Yeah, that Romans is a letter that um, some people could say it's the letter to the Romans dot 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 and others because immediately it was probably copied and circulated, and so it's you know like in the Philemon, it's um, hey Circular. hey let that it's very specific. It's a letter to a person. Let this slave go. You know. Romans is for everybody yeah. immediately. It's not like we're looking over the shoulder and thinking, what can this mean for us today? Well, we always have to do that. But in the in the first century, it was immediately kind of his— It's like a general letter. General. Because he so does good. Say, Someone in seminary yeah, using he, the right words. Yeah, he does words. say, um, we all have fallen, you know, yeah. and fallen mm-hmm. the short of glory yeah, of God. Yeah, yeah. And we've all so sinned and fallen short, yeah. There's an abstractness to that. It's not very particular. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's it's for— it's not for a particular people at a particular place at a particular time, yeah. like the, all the other epistles. We all. It's right. we all. There's yeah. a general context to Romans, which, which I, I really like, which yeah. I think you really brought out I in hope your sermon. So. I hope so. But I think that's also why Romans has this timeless— people take Romans seriously, and it and it's formed a lot of people's personal theology or church's theology because it is this general letter that you can't easily dismiss by its context. Does that I make know. sense? You can't say, well, that was for them in that time, and it was for them in that time. And we are looking over the shoulder, and we need to understand the context mm-hmm. of it. But it's not as easy to dismiss as maybe something else could be, even though we shouldn't dismiss any of the scriptures. But, yeah. So, anyway, I didn't say any of that from the pulpit. Just the context of it is interesting. I think particularly that he's never been there, but he's talking so personally, especially toward the end, about yeah. everybody he loves that's there, you know? And he loves a lot of people in Rome. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's lots we could talk about. I don't know. <laughs> I mean— I think it's a fascinating text when you look at Paul talking about all these things that can't separate you from the love of God. Mm-hmm. And then you think, oh, I think he went through all of those, you know. And I uh, was talking to somebody yesterday on just the – I mean, he's talking about people that are getting persecuted, killed, burned. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're – Imprisoned. Imprisoned. Yeah, it's not um, – Which just like being in prison was not like being in prison today. They didn't oh, feed you. yeah. So someone you loved was responsible for bringing food to prison. So if you didn't have someone who loved you You're starving and buy food, yeah. you would starve to death because uh, the prison wouldn't feed you. and They didn't give you your necessities. So like yeah. when you're imprisoned in the New Testament, it is rough. And grim. it's not, not necessarily just. No. Right. I mean, it's not at all. No one is agency back then. No one, no, they didn't have much agency back then. Yeah. Like people, they could just do whatever they wanted yeah. with you. Yeah. And there's a lot of religious. Yeah. I mean. The context of Rome as well is that it's a scattered people somewhat. I mean, it's a it's a um, oil and water people of Gentile and Jew. Uh, the Jews were kicked out by Sesophia. Help me out. Oh, goodness. Caius? Anyway. One of those. The I Jews, just, the Jews I just were remember kicked out. The Jews come, yeah. The <laughs> Jews get kicked out. The Jews come back in. It's a little bit of an exile and then a return. And so you've got people trying to figure out, you know, which of us are better, the Gentile or the Jew. And mm-hmm. so you see that sprinkled within Romans. and. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, if you want to think about, you know, okay, the church is a mess. The culture is trying to figure out its political identity. The church is trying to find its way through a political identity. Um, there's disagreement about who's on top. Mm-hmm. And I think you look at those big facts and you're like, oh, okay, we're, we, we can see ourselves in this. Yeah. You know, the church is a mess. 
Yeah. No one can agree on just political alignment or, since, or whether we should be politically aligned, you know? I think we forget that in this day, but because we don't know the origins of the names in Romans 16 without research, you forget that what Paul is writing to is a mixed church of identity. Yeah. So, like, Paul's a Roman citizen. We learn that in Acts, and he talks mm-hmm. about it in his letters, and that gives him rights mm-hmm. and privileges. Well, also fascinating, he's never been to Rome. Fascinating. Yet he's a citizen of Rome. He's a citizen. Yeah. So you have all these people with Latin names. Latin is the language of the Roman Empire. So they would have the highest status in Rome. Mm-hmm. But then you have people who have names that would be indicative of them being enslaved and from other ethnic identities. Mm-hmm. You have Greek names that mm-hmm. pop up. So they would be maybe not as high status as the Romans, but they're mm-hmm. a, kind of a cultural ideal that Rome was trying to copy. And then you have Jewish names. Mary is a Jew uh-huh. that he names. Um in this church. So you have this church um, that's mixed and they're trying to figure out we have high status Roman citizens, we have Greeks, we have Jews, we have slaves. How do we live together mm-hmm. and grapple with this just very mixed reality? And I think sometimes, yeah, I mean, we talk about this all the time. We're a church of varied political beliefs. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they're we talk about this in the uh, – Luke and I work in the Welcome Center and so on Sunday mornings. And so these people come in, and I think they're trying to figure out, can I find my place here? We're, yeah, Which they should. They're, dis- yeah. they're discerning, belonging. And I don't want to say we're a place for everybody because we're not. No. I mean, c- because we have certain theological convictions. Yeah. We can't be. But I think people are trying to see, like, are there people like me here? And I, almost every time I'm like, yes, but you also need to know there are people not like you yeah. here. And that's how we exist at First Baptist Arlington. So – you know, are there pro-life people here? Absolutely. But are there some who see it a little more nuanced and it's, they're going to, of course, nobody likes abortion, but they're uh, more, I guess, pro-choice. They're going to vote a different fair. way. Yeah, yeah, without getting into a very hot topic issue. I don't know why I named that one. But they're looking at us thinking, can we fit in here? And I always have to tell people, absolutely, like there is a place for you, but you need to know you're going to sit next to someone in worship and in Bible study and in fellowship that doesn't think like you. And that, and we like that. We we we. We, we think there's that. tremendous value in that. Yeah. And I think actually that's the similarity to, to being a seminary student at Truett. Mm. Like there's room for you to have your own views that are different from everybody. And then mm. you wrestle with that. Mm. And that's the beauty about even here. Yeah. And that's why even seeing you preaching on the pulpit, you know, just in terms yeah. of, you know, representation for, mm-hmm. for another woman in ministry like yeah. myself. and. Yeah. You know, the, the the congregation being open and the support, like, wow, this yeah. is a place where it's all encompassing. And I think like Romans, like, look, I like that you pointed that out, you know, just the difference in names and status and mm-hmm. everything. I think Romans, that's why, you know, Martin Luther loved it so mm-hmm. much. It's all encompassing. Yeah. And this is the reality that we're living in now. I think that's fun to talk about Luther, too, because you look at Romans and this thing started reform. Yeah. All I mean, not just once, but it's one of those texts that changes the world, you know? History. It's just crazy yeah. and it's powerful. That uh, page by page, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Romans eight. I mean, I only read the last eight verses of it and preached. That's what was assigned to me. It's I was crescendo. being faithful. <laughs> but it is the crescendo. I use that word on Sunday. Yeah. It is the crescendo, it is. But you go back, I mean, the very beginning of it is um about the spirit interceding for us and we don't know what we're going to—we don't know what we ought to pray, mm-hmm. but that's not in the beginning. I'm going still mid. But then it's—I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even quote Romans 8, 28, 
which is what we talked about, that God works all, we, we know that in all, all things, things God, God works, works together good. For the, yeah. Good for mm-hmm. those who love the Lord, who are called, who called according, according to, to his, his purpose. purpose, which is, think about that. I mean, profound, and I didn't even talk about it. And so we, it talks about the Spirit interceding for us. It talks about Jesus justifying us. It talks about God's love for us. It's just a tremendous view of uh, the Trinity. We didn't talk about much about the Trinity, but I mean, I mentioned a little bit about it. But anyway, it's a great text. And so that's one thing we talked about in here, too, that I'll, before we hit record, is I really grappled with how do you preach a text that out of the gate Mm -hmm. just proclaims this great truth, you know? Because you could almost just read the verse and, and drop the mic and walk off. Yeah, and it, and it and it's great rhetoric, so it may do everything that you hoped that it would do for the people. I mean, it's it's rhetorical. I mean, he is saying, it makes you think, like, what can separate you from the love of God? I mean, it's implied, no one, but who who can bring charges against you? I guess no one, you know. Um, the first question, what's his first question? I, I did it in reverse order. So uh, it's, if God is for us, who can, who be, can against be against us? us? I mean— what are you? What am I going to get up and preach that's better than if God is for us? Who can be against us? I mean, that's that's your that's your crescendo. Mm-hmm. That would be your crescendo. Yeah. And so I spent a lot more time this this Sunday uh, building the problem, explaining the tension on why this would even be a necessary statement to remind people. And that's when it got quite personal. Mm-hmm. I say personal. I've just this pregnancy has been so public. I have other things that are more personal than now my fertility because everybody when you walk in and you say I'm pregnant with triplets everyone like oh were you on IVF and it's like okay well let's just have a conversation about (laughs) my um, reproductive system you know (laughs) and so it's become this like very open thing which is funny because you know a couple years ago I would have never thought but anyway the things that are now personal to me are totally different you know category my my body is kind of uh, on display so and now my my family is on display my home is on display people are my home all the time so it's just fascinating the way my life has changed, even in those ways. But that's what so. I loved about it. And, you know, look, do you want to repeat what I said earlier <laughs> to you Katie? You said a lot of good things earlier. So. <laughs> to Katie, in, in reference to her sharing her now. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I don't remember what you said. Well, I was you, like. Is it worth the people at home hearing it? I, I think so. Say it, memory. Okay. It's so better coming out of your I was mouth. saying, you know. Because it, of the beautiful accent, right? <laughs> You know how you're talking about just, you know, the, the, the chapter itself speaks for itself. It's a sermon in itself. But I think there was such a beauty to you coming in with your testimonies, with your personalization, because it's your life right now. Mm-hmm. You know, because when we, when we do do the sermons, we want to say, okay, how does that apply to you? You know, because, mm-hmm. you know, we always have an action-oriented response. We mm-hmm. want you now to respond to this by some form of action. But Katie, you were basically like, this is my now, my reality now. Mm-hmm. I struggled with fertility. I've had three babies. I have these questions. Paul had 17 rhetoric questions, but I have had my 17 questions, mm-hmm. right? And then I've even wrestled. And then you give us permission you give us permission to also rest. And then you were talking about I-35 and I-20, mm-hmm. you know, because to somebody that's that's so minute. But what's true for one is not true for all, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the way that you just build that up and the the the, the authenticity and the relevancy of it, mm-hmm. because it's such a it's such a deep uh, uh, scripture, mm-hmm. and it can get so theological. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, oh, Paul, yeah. them, you know. But it's like, 
me now Good. wrestling with Good. this. That's the hope. How how yeah. do I? That was the hope. Yeah. And I, I don't think I said this on when we're recording, but in this, I don't know if this is interesting to people listening or not, but I went back and pulled a book off the shelf, a preaching book, which to be honest with y'all, I have not uh, in the eight years since seminary really returned to like the form of preaching once. Because I just, you know, you just write a sermon and you you say what you want to say. But I just wrestled, I grappled with how do you preach something that is the crescendo moment? And how do you keep an audience, a congregation uh, with you? Because if you, and that's why I started off reading John 3.16 too. John 3.16 is one of those crescendo moments. God loved the world and he saved us. Mm -hmm. If you just believe in him, you have eternal life. Man. Okay. Go home, you know, go home. (laughs) It's done. It's finished. Yes. And so I had, that's why I had us read that. And then right on the heels of that, read this, because it builds that like, everything's awesome. Oh my gosh. Life with God. So good. And you just know, one, that's not going to hit with everybody, but you didn't take them on the journey to get there. And so you're not, it's not going to be all that compelling necessarily. And so I pulled a book off the shelf that talks about just the plot of a sermon that's more inductive. It kind of buries the lead. And so um, I'm not great at that. In fact, I still read the scripture first, which I think someone who was really preaching to bury the lead would have totally hid what can what can help me out of this pit of despair. Oh, you know what? Paul wrote to the Romans and told me that, you know. And so I tried that, but that's not me. I can't do it. It's too formal. It's too formal of a preaching style to do it. But anyway— but I wanted to build the tension, and so I did spend longer in the the lower part. You know, if it's a, if it's a, I'm not musical necessarily, but if it's a song, you know, this is the slower lower part that builds to the crescendo of, mm. yeah, actually, this is okay. Paul went through it, and we we can go through it. And, yeah, and God's love isn't dependent on our circumstances, which I think was probably the if there's a main idea of that. I, I read it twice, but Paul's Paul's reminding everyone in that letter that just the love of God and the presence of God is just not dependent on what happens mm. necessarily. You know, I think that's hard. Mm. It's still hard. Cause if you, if you're in the middle of something really bad, death, cancer, you know, whatever, even knowing that is hard until you experience it. But, uh, but that's the truth of it. You know, you don't become a Christian and your life gets easy for Paul. It got harder. Right. I mean, yeah. he was on top culturally. Mm. And then he got stone shipwrecked, you know. Everything that he yeah. mentioned. Pitchforks, all that. Yeah. So. Snake beat. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, if you want to become a Christian, you should because there's life. <laughs> but it doesn't make everything go away. It just means that God's with you. And that was a key key moment for me when you say that because, like you said, that a lot of people think that you know, once I become a Christian, then all heaven is going to open. It's mm-hmm. it's it's prosperity gospel from now on, yeah, right? Yeah. But then it you can, were it like, can be. Yeah, yeah it, it can be, but it can also not be. Right. But that doesn't define God, right? Yeah. And you were, when I said you gave us permission, but then you also reminded us yeah. that He will come in the suffering with you. So the yeah. grace helps you get through it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And sometimes He doesn't take it away because... Yeah. There's something at the end of it. Yeah. And we need that, those reminders. Yeah. Right? I just went and visited one of our, um, oh, just a, a true treasure for our church is in the hospital and um, had a surgery yesterday. Went and visited this morning before we, re- this is Tuesday morning, we're recording. I just was there and came here. And uh, she was just glowing in the hospital. I mean, just glowing. And I was like, you look so good and your spirits are so good. And she said, I've just felt God through mm. this whole thing. 
And even when I got this diagnosis, my husband just said, God's going to get us through it. I just know it. And they just have this tremendous um, trust mm, and joy. And, but, you know, I think this is the point I was trying to make, too. And I don't know. I don't know if this made it in the sermon. I can't really remember. But they've been believers, these people I'm, I'm envisioning that are, are faithful church members, for probably 60 years, maybe more than that. And so they know God. And they have an image of God and who he is, and they've experienced him over and over. So when something hard happens, they're not trying to necessarily find God for the first time in the midst of suffering. He shows up in those for people, but, you know, they, they're bringing God with them in this. Mm. And they've known them for a long time. And I, I just think, you know, what I saw this morning is what I want for everybody. And I, and I think we can all achieve it by the grace of God, right? But, we, can, we can all receive it. Yeah, that's a better word to say that. We can all receive it. But you, you well, it's kind of like God's not a, opposed to, he's opposed to earning. He's not opposed to effort. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Show up. Yeah. Get to know God. He'll meet you in your darkest hour. He will. You know? So I saw it today. Anyway. Nothing can separate us. From the love of God. No. Do yeah. you think that dif- that shows the difference? I'm between joy and happiness, I'm always mm-hmm. uh, mindful that there really is a difference between joy yeah. and happiness because mm-hmm. happiness is conditional, right, on mm-hmm. what I have. Mm-hmm. But then there's this joy, that eternal joy. Yeah. I love the, the whole eternity series we're in. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, if it's, I, a, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. If mm-hmm. I know I'm going to go to heaven and I know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, yeah, I could be suffering. But then I have that glow that you saw this morning, right? Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. how then do we, how yeah. do we get there, Katie? Oh, how do you get there? How do we all get there? Oh, I, I think I'm going to give you some Sunday school answers that I really <laughs> believe in. But I think it's the spiritual discipline, spiritual practices. I think if we expect, we live in a culture of shortcuts and yep. easy answers, and Christianity is not one of those. And so I'm not saying God can't show up and let let you know him in profound and deep ways. I mean, he met you in a dream. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not saying it's earned, but the people I'm thinking of that know God deeply and walk through life with a deep joy, regardless of what's going on in their life, have have put in the time to make room for God to teach them that and to show up to his word, to community, to prayer, to service, to evangelism, so that they can be God's people, you know? And so how do you get there? I, I mean, uh, I think you make choices to, to be faithful and obedient to what God has for you. And it's more than just showing up to church on Sunday. It's what you do when no one's watching. It's what you do just to learn about God and then listen to what he has for you for the day. Yeah, I was with our youth this morning. They're doing a Culture and Witness Week, where they're learning about Islam and DFW, and we're starting each day talking about prayer. I'm just talking this morning uh, with our youth, who are just fun, fun, developing people. Um, I want to hear more about that. <laughs> what yeah, you mean it by sounds that? like there's something. I mean, t- teenagers. Wait. <laughs> teenagers are wonderful and special and awkward. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just talking this morning about the differences between Christianity and Islam and the fact that we get to live a life and a personal relationship with a God who doesn't just love us, but I think also likes us and wants to be with us. And then if you contrast that with Islam, 
Mm. A Muslim would say that you can't actually personally know Allah. You can't have a relationship with Allah. You can just do what Allah tells you to do and hope it's enough. Mm. Um, that's not what we have. No. Um, we have this invitation to a life of a dynamic relationship with God who doesn't need us in any way but wants to partner with us, mm-hmm. wants to come alongside us in our work, in our lives, not just for us to talk to him but also to live just in this personal ebb and mm-hmm. flow of life. Um, you know, God's not up there with gritted teeth going, man, I really love these people. Um, yeah. But actually, like, desires us, chases after us. That's why nothing can oh. separate us from yeah, this Yeah, and, and made a way at, at, his, is it own, at his own cost. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit next week. For us to know him personally yeah. and, and be loved by him for eternity, you know? Yeah. And I don't think he regrets it. At that, all. Isn't that crazy? It's joy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so the gospel's cool, and we want to share it with people. It so, is. It's the best news ever. That's why we have Luke to help us figure out how to share Jesus with people yeah. in our own context. Not to do it for us, but to help us do it in a way that makes sense for our own lives. Yeah. So then we got some good things coming this fall. We gotta share this good news. Yeah. This is really good news. The best news. Yeah. Yes. God loves us so much that he made action to know us and let us know his love and sustains that through the spirit. You know, he just didn't do it once. He lets us experience it and walk through it every day. And he, and then one day, all the bad will go away. And it'll just be a life with the love of God for eternity. Mm. Mm. That is a great place to end because it's so, really just the beginning. So tell your friends. Hey, cool thing. Tell your friends. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.